Hello everyone, welcome to episode 40 of The Ordinary Photographer. by saying I'm not going to say any more erms and I managed one within 10, 10 seconds of starting speaking so let's try really hard Ian <laughs> this week I've been I've been thinking about what to do for my next <clears throat> podcast and I've realized I haven't done a lesson episode for a while so this is lesson 14 shooting black and white photography uh, and I went through my um handbooks my, my notebooks from my course I used to run and trying to pick out something that is can can be podcasted rather than something that would need, really needs people in front of you, the way you've got a screen to illustrate and things like that. So, but black and white photography is quite an easy one to do, I think. So we'll give it a whirl. And it assumes you know nothing about black and white photography, and you're coming at this from a point of view of a digital color photographer. Uh, and and I think after the episode I watched, uh, the Reds of the Lost Ark in black and white, which was I talked about in the last podcast episode, it, it struck me just how different black and white is from colour and, and how, for me anyway, distracting colour can be to an image. And I've spent quite a lot of time taking photographs on black and white film and it was one of the main reasons I, I went on to, to, to using film pretty much exclusively was because I could never get the results I liked from digital and we'll, we'll come in and talk to talk about that in a little bit but black and white photography has been around since before color photography it was the first thing that was available when it when it came to photography i know there are some very early color photographs but it wasn't a process that was widely used certainly not until the, probably around the 1970s prior to that most photography was done with black and white film and it was quite a simple process because you just had this layer of silver that would respond depending on how bright the light was and that would create the image so you didn't need to worry about color it was just all about tones so yeah black and white photography really it removes color <laughs> the obvious thing but it removes a distraction of color and it reduces every part of the scene to a tonal range somewhere between black and white. And this tonal range was kind of written down and documented by Ansel Adams in his books to talk about something called the zone system. And, do you know, I don't know which podcast I heard it on, but I'll, I'll try and put a link in the show notes with, um, was it Sunny was it Sunny 16 or it might have been Nick Paws, I can't remember which one it was, but they, they had a long discussion about the zone system and what it was and so if you want to know more about that I'm not going to go on about it I will just direct you straight over there because it was a really good informative discussion about it but it's quite difficult to understand the tonal range of something that's got color so a, a blue sky can be really really pale blue 
and quite bright or it can be like really really dark blue like a stormy just after the sun's gone down or something like that so that so it, it, whilst the colors can be quite similar the actual brightness of them can be very different and that's something that you can capture a lot easier on black and white and the problem with digital cameras especially modern digital cameras is that you really don't the, the screen and everything it's all in color and whilst different cameras have different settings for removing the color and various black and white modes i never found them very satisfactory they're okay but um, I, I know people rave quite a lot about the fuji digital cameras and their uh, acros 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 simulation it's just not the same as shooting Fuji Across film, which is a beautiful, beautiful black and white film. And you just don't get that look with uh, with digital, in my opinion, of course. So, and then that's the thing. Most, most modern digital cameras have colour sensor arrays. So their base nature is to take a photograph in colour. Um, there are some dedicated black and white digital cameras that don't shoot color they only shoot black and white but they're generally very very expensive um which means that most people who are wanting to take black and white photos with a digital camera will have to go through some sort of post-processing step to remove the color and that was my big problem and that was why i ended up shooting black and white film because there are certain black and white film stocks that just look gorgeous and i, I just couldn't replicate it not without faffing around in Lightroom or Photoshop to try and make it look good, and it never really worked. However, there's an answer to that. Um, so, if you're taking a photo, well, I'm, we're gonna let's assume you're not taking a photograph on black and white film, because if you are, you you kind of already know what that looks like, and it can be quite difficult to see in black and white, and certainly after shooting a lot of black and white film i can now get i feel as though i can get a feel for what an image is going to look like as a black and white image before i put the camera to my face whereas most people they see the color and and if you're just starting out trying to do black and white photography it's going to take a while and a little bit of practice to see the black and white side of things and one of the ways of getting around this is to choose one of those black and white settings on your camera and that will then usually display the image on the screen as black and white which means that you actually do get some sort of preview but the problem is when the light comes into a color sensor it come it comes in as a colored light registers it as a color and so the camera has to turn that to a shade of gray somehow and all different cameras have all different ways of doing that from the straightforward just taking the color out to more co complicated algorithms looking at the kind of the luminous and the brightness and the, the type of color it is and, and things like that and that's where you get the film emulation modes from and if you look at the old black and white photographic films they they have color sensitivity so they are sensitive to different types of color depending on what type of black and white film you buy so you can get um ilford ortho 80 which i oh do you know i'm going to get this wrong now but it's <clears throat> it's very it's very poorly sensitive to red light and the red end of the spectrum so anything at the red end of the spectrum will show um show as being quite dark 
Whereas at the other end, do you know, I'm not even sure that's 100% right, but what the point I'm trying to get across is that different films have different sensitivities to different colours. And, you know, even films like HP5 and Tri-X, which are, what's the, not polychromatic, whatever the opposite of ortho, pan-chromatic. Pan <laughs> oh yeah, I should be a teacher, shouldn't I? <laughs> Don't know my stuff. Um, films that are, that are responsive to all the different wavelengths of light will still react differently to different colours. Only slightly, but it's enough for you to be able to see a difference when you're shooting with that film. And then you've obviously got infrared film, which is sensitive mainly to the infrared spectrum of light, which we can't see. And so when you're shooting black and white infrared film, that's actually really difficult to, to work with because you can't physically see it with your eyes. You can only kind of gauge as to what it's going to look like with experience and shooting a lot of infrared film. And the fact that it's not really made anymore, apart from Ilford SFX 200, which isn't really very infrared, it's it's quite a difficult, quite a difficult thing to do. But um, but yeah, so we we end up with again for most cameras, color comes through and it's recorded as a color file. You have got settings in your camera that will allow you to turn it to black and white. You can even set your camera to save the image as black and white. But if you're saving raw files on, on, on your digital camera, if you're using raw, it will still keep the colour anyway. Because that's what's there, that's what's part of the raw information. It's the colour information. So really, the, if you want to shoot true black and white, the, the only real way to do it is to just shoot JPEG only and to make sure the JPEG is whatever the setting is in your camera for black and white mode that you set it to that and then you'll never be able to put the color back and when I first started doing that I found that quite scary <laughs> because a lot of people will look at it from the other side they'll take a picture in color and they'll go hmm, it's okay I wonder what it looks like in black and white so that creative option is always there to be able to swap it from color to black and white if you want whereas if you remove that ability by shooting JPEG only in black and white mode, you then need to step up a little bit in, in the way that you think and the way that you see your images because you've got no emergency get out clause, if you like. So the good thing about shooting in color and then post-processing in something like Lightroom is that you have individual tonal control over all the colors. So if you take, for example, a, 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 an open landscape scene with a blue sky and a green field, and then you import it into your software, you can actually make it so that the blue tones are really, really bright and the green tones are really, really dark. Or you can make the blue tones really, really dark and the green tones really, really bright. And you get two very different looking images from that one color image. So being able to control individual colours is really useful and it's, a, it's an amazing part of the software experience but what you can end up doing is spending hours <laughs> messing around trying to get those settings right. So filters. Filters is the next thing I wanted to talk about. I've done this quite quickly actually, maybe a short one. Um, colour filters are often used in black and white photography to achieve 
certain different types of results and a good rule of thumb that I try and stick in my head is that a filter will brighten its own colour and darken its opposite colour. Now most people don't have the colour wheel in, imprinted in their head and couldn't tell you what the opposite of red is or orange or any of the other different colours but um, the opposite of the red and orange tones are the blue tones and so by using the, the, the most common photographic filters for black and white photography are red, orange and yellow filters. And, and if you look at the colour wheel, you will see what shade of blue is opposite to red, orange and yellow. And that's the kind of colour of the sky that you're going to get. It's going to be a bit darker. But what a, a colour filter also does is it tends to increase the contrast because it brightens one colour and it darkens another one down and that if you're brightening one bit and darkening another bit that will generally increase contrast in an image so you tend to get more contrasty looks and using red, orange, yellow, green and blue filters with a digital camera especially if you're shooting it in colour it just looks as though there's a, a massive wash of colour across the front of it and you don't really see the benefits of it unless you're shooting in black and white. And using coloured filters will also reduce slightly the amount of light that comes in so you need to overexpose to compensate for that. Not really a problem with modern digital cameras because as soon as you put the filter over the lens the camera will just adjust everything for you anyway. But if you're using a film camera or something like that you need to bear in mind that if you're slapping a, a red filter on the front that might darken the image down by maybe two or three stops. So, um, so yeah, fil filters, colour filters are actually quite useful if you are doing black and white photography, especially things like red filters. If you've got a really, really bright blue sky, sticking a red filter on there will really darken it down to the point where it looks almost black. And that, that can be quite a cool effect. Although you, you can simulate these effects with software. It really depends how you want to go about it, whether you want to do it on a computer or whether you want to do it physically while you're out in the field. Um, so yeah, using filters is a good way of changing your black and white, your black and white images. But um, it's definitely worth doing black and white photography for a, an extended period of time. I've learned more by shooting black and white film about taking black and white photographs than, than I ever did with a digital camera. My, my go-to was always take it in colour and then see what it looks like in black and white. But um, actually shooting natively in black and white really does. It improves your compositional skills, it improves your subject choice skills because all of a sudden you can't use colour as a storytelling element. Whereas in, in black and white you, you tend to have to rely on what's going on what what is happening in the in the scene that you've got in front of you uh, the photographer Ted Grant once said when you photograph people in color you photograph their clothes but when you photograph people in black and white you photograph their souls uh, and that's that's really true if you've got people out and about and you're taking pictures of them they've got bright red coats or bright yellow coats on it, it just becomes or it can become a distracting element high-vis high -vis jackets, things like that, all kind of stand out with colour photos and draw the eye. Whereas in black and white, it's it's completely different. And if you imagine the, the classic 
long exposure of car trails with the red, the white lights going in one direction and the red going in another. Make that black and white and all of a sudden you've got a completely different photograph just by removing the colour. And uh, it's... At first I found black and white more difficult and then after a while, after doing black and white for a long, long time, I suddenly then found colour really difficult because I found that the colours were very often distracting from what I was trying to say with my photograph. And that is... It's a tough one. And I've, I've, I actually would say now that I'm less comfortable shooting in colour than I am in black and white, which I never thought I'd say when I first started out. And... Um, I do enjoy using black and white film to the, to the point where I actually found, uh, let me see if I can get, get it up while we're talking about it. Cause I do need to give them a little heads up because this piece of software is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, so it's called true grain software, accurate black and white film simulation for digital photography. So one of the things that, really really irritates me is people who sell Lightroom preset packs um it's, it's no it's the fact that Lightroom preset packs are being sold as a thing which when, when all they are really is a collection of slider settings in Lightroom so you could quite easily do it yourself what you're paying for is somebody else to set a bunch of sliders to, as to how they think something should look and film simulations preset packs are, are all over and you know what They're, I've tried quite a few and they're a complete waste of money because they they just they, they take what a film is supposed to look like and dial it up to 10 so you then have to you then have to spend just as much time adjusting their preset to get back to something that it's you, it felt to me like I was just going around in circles with preset packs but because they never really worked for different images. You had to edit them every time for different images. Whereas the way film works is that the light, the, the colour of the light is the same every time. So if that shade of blue will always get registered as that tone. And for some reason, preset packs don't seem to do that. But this software is called TrueGrain2, actually. is The website is grubbersoftware.com. It's... 75 quid in the UK, uh, which personally I thought it was worth doing. I think you could download a trial, but I was blown away by the trial. And it simulates film stocks, but in a really scientific way. They've actually looked at how the film responds to the different color, different colors. And they've also looked at the grain that each type of film has this is just black and white films they've done and then replicated it and, and they've written a piece of software that does it so you have to jump out of Lightroom to to edit it but you can you can quite easily sort of set that up to happen automatically so the way it works is that you edit your image and then you can actually choose the type of film preset you want to apply to it what it does is it takes the colour sensitivity of that film and applies it. So whatever was read in there, depending on what that film was, that is how it will render on the screen. And they've got 
settings for all, well, I would say all the main, certainly all the films I'm interested in using, which is uh, Tri-X 400, FP, HP5, FP4, Pan-F, and T-Max 400, as well as T-Max 3200. They've got Ilford Delta 3200 in there. So they've got all of the main films that I would use, as well as some quite interesting ones. They've got Konica Infrared in there and Roll Eye Infrared and some of the films that are not made anymore, Panatomic X and Nearpan. Yeah, they've got Acros 100 in there as well. What's it? You've got, I don't know, maybe there are 20 different types of film in there. But it matches. It basically takes your photograph, your colour photograph, and applies the colours in that photograph to how the film would have reacted to those colours, if that makes any sense. And then within the um, within the software, you can then adjust that if you want. So if you've got a particular type of film, a film stock that you you like to use, and if that if you've got the information card that comes with that film stock that shows the color sensitivity of it, and it's usually represented as a chart or a graph with the sensitivity level along one axis and the color across the uh, across the other axis so you can see how it responds to each different shade of color if you're prepared to sit there and try and copy that graph into the software you can actually make it so that it replicates the um, the film you can also change the dynamic range of the film you can also apply uh, colored filters on there and you can also change the size of the grain so if you want the 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 sensitivity of HP5 but you don't want the grain you can you can reduce the grain and I've got to be honest first time I tried it I put a photo through it and and I thought my god this looks like HP5 and, and I was blown away I was utterly blown away and t to the point now where I've stopped shooting as much film as I was simply because I can shoot it on digital for much easier photo taking capability and and have and just have them look like hp5 so 75 quid but as far as i'm concerned well worth it it's real film grain it's not some sort of digital noise or or whatever it is that lightroom adds when you try and add grain it's actual film grain that they've photographed and they lay it over the over the top of the image just like a um like a layer in photoshop so it's I love it. It really works for me, and I'm not being paid by them, and I don't think very many people have heard of it, but I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. And a bit of a bit of a secret. So if you, <laughs> here's a challenge for any of you digital photographers out there, go out and take something and whack it through this software as HP5 and then try and present it at that and see if anybody, uh, see what people say. But for me, I... I get a lot of people asking, "Oh, did you take that on film? Did you take because they know I take a lot of photos on film, and and I'm starting more and more to say no, no, that's digital, but it doesn't look like it. And for me, it's the end result and what it looks like. That's what's really important to me about my photographs, not necessarily the process. I do enjoy the process, but it's not part of my artistic vision, if you like. So the last thing I wanted to talk about with black and white photography is once you've got your black and white photograph you can actually 
recolor them. Um, and there's various different ways of doing that. You, you can be toned them. You can tone them in, in Photoshop or in your software. So you can give them like sepia tones or silver tones, uh, depending on all, all the different types of, of toned images there were back in the olden days. <clears throat> um, but what you can also do, I quite like to do this, is find it quite therapeutic, especially on a wet Sunday, is, is to make a print of a black and white image that you like on matte paper. You could even use your typewriter paper that you use for printing out <laughs> packaging labels which is pretty much all our printer gets used for um just print it out on just cheap paper and then color it in with pencils or colored pencils or felt tip pens and i i really like it and i really like the end result i quite liked coloring in as a child um and i quite like coloring in as an adult as well and i think there's a whole thing about buying adult coloring books but you don't necessarily need to buy adult colouring books, just uh, print out one of your images in black and white and have a go. And and if, if you're more arty than me, you can use paints as well. I know people use watercolours to, 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 to hand colour their images, and that makes that image absolutely unique once you've hand coloured it yourself. So, and, and if you are thinking of selling stuff and, and, and things like that, then that certainly gives it a very unique selling point. But it's also a lot of fun to hand colour your images and well worth doing and if you get some nice paper instead of just cheap nasty paper you can have something that's worth framing and yeah i would definitely give it a whirl if you haven't done it give it a go because it's it's good fun and also if if you're a, a nerd who likes things you can then do lots and lots of research on colored pencils and um and felt tip pens because that's a whole other podcast i'm sure there is a podcast pen nerds i think they're probably worse than photography nerds but not as bad as fishing nerds i think i think they don't win for the most or golf nerds they, they get a lot of stuff anyway i've probably insulted half, half my listenership there so i won't go on anymore but hand coloring black and white images all good fun and have a i'll try and dig out that zone system podcast i heard about because that's well worth looking at and it does depend entirely on black and white being able to see in black and white so if it's a lesson episode so we'll have some homework so if you want some homework for the next month is to go and shoot in black and white only turn your camera onto jpeg and just shoot black and white and if you're a film photographer throw all that expensive color color film sell it all on ebay and buy a load of black and white and hp5 is really the only black and white film you need certainly in this country anyway so i'll leave it there i hope you've had a good week when shall i do this shall i put this out this weekend or shall i leave it a week i don't know we'll see how we go i'll catch up with you <laughs> i'm master of waffling aren't i um have a good weekend and i'll weekend whatever shut up <laughs>